Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the Smithfield shelter drew criticism from some of its downtown neighbors, but it was one of the only low-barrier homeless shelters in our county, the kind of place that welcomes everyone, no matter the time of night, no matter if they have a partner or pet, or if they use alcohol or drugs. The county shut it down almost a month ago, but people are still showing up. I'm with two journalists who spent a lot of time at the shelter to explain what the closure says about Pittsburgh's housing crisis. It's Monday, July 17th. I'm Mallory Falk, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with Stephanie Strasberg, photojournalist for Public Source. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. And Eric Jenkwitz, a reporter for Public Source focused on housing and economic development. Hey, Mallory. So in your story for Public Source, you wrote that this shelter really kind of became a lightning rod and also a telling moment in how our region is addressing our current housing crisis. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, Why did this shelter become so controversial and what did that controversy reveal? I think I think it became controversial for for a few reasons. One of the main ones was you you had you had the shelter in this the epicenter of of Pittsburgh. You had it in the downtown area, so that's where you had all of your tourists and you had all of your office workers, and it um it sort of became a, a class conflict where you had you had people of of higher classes who were were maybe not super comfortable with seeing people staying at a shelter. Um, in that downtown area, so it was just one of those things where, where the the problems in, in our area were were just kind of laid out on display on the streets, and um, we were just finding that that created a lot of conflict between different class groups. To add to that, um, the shelter at Smithfield has, in previous years, operated as an emergency shelter that only ran over the winter. And come March 15th, when the shelter was supposed to close, when it originally closed every other year, there was um, such a surge in homelessness in Allegheny County, and really we're seeing it nationwide, that um, the Allegheny County Department of Human Services decided to extend uh, the shelter opening indefinitely. And um, so I think you know, we're, we're in the middle of the surge, we're in the middle of all the aid that you saw from the pandemic ending and pushing people out onto the street. Um, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis at the same time when our medical institutions are in their own kind of crisis of hiring and maintaining workers and worker burnout and all of those things. And I think the other thing that um, 
doesn't get talked about a lot is, you know, the, the high cost of, of mental health care, of maintaining the kind of care that you need when, you ha- when you're going through traumatic things. So you really focused on one particular shelter guest named Sam. Tell us a little bit about him and how he ended up at the Smithfield shelter. So we met Sam outside of Smithfield at one of the community meals that were happening on Thursday nights outside of the shelter. What I found interesting about Sam was he was this person who's a business professional. He has advanced degrees and he came to Pittsburgh from Atlantic City originally to pursue his doctorate um, at the universities here to take his business to the next level. And when he arrived here, he was staying at hotels until he could find a roommate situation. And when that um, kind of turned sour and fell through, he found himself in the shelter system in Pittsburgh and in um, also a variety of other larger institutions, our medical institutions, our mental health care institutions. And Eventually, after he had made his way through Resolve Crisis Center and several of the um, emergency rooms in the city without being able to really stabilize the medication that he needed to manage his bipolar disorder, um, he was calling 911 repeatedly to try to get help and try to get advice on where to go and what to do, and the police gave him a list of shelters. And he said he called his way through those shelters and the one that was available for him, the only one that would accept him at that point, uh, was the Smithfield shelter. And that's how he ended up there. And to me, what has been amazing about following Sam is um, just to see the reasons why he continues to end up back at Smithfield. And what I've found is that... um, Smithfield, as much anger was directed at it, that for a lot of people that ended up there, they have fallen through every other (laughs) segment of society that was supposed to catch them. The hospitals, the other shelters that people, we were continually hearing that people were at Smithfield because they got kicked out of other spaces, like just our larger ways in which we house people. All of these places um, were failing a lot of the people um, that ended up at Smithfield and that's why they ended up there because when 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 people slipped through the cracks of every other institution Smithfield was the only place that said yes you can land here um, without stipulation without barriers for the most part Was Sam representative of kind of most of the people that you met, both in terms of the factors that led him to need to enter the shelter system in the first place, and then finding that within that system, Smithfield really was kind of the the ultimate safety net, the place that they went where no one when no one else would take them. I I think that's a good question, Mallory, because I was I was going to say that I don't think Sam was like indicative or representative of shelter seekers overall, and I don't I don't even know if you could find somebody who is. Um, representative of shelter seekers overall, because I, I think it, it it draws just people of various different backgrounds um, whose their only real uh, commonality is just not being able to find somewhere to to stay more permanently or having some something that's unstable in their life um, that's causing them not to have that like connection to getting housing. In your piece, you say that the whole community really popped up, not just in the Smithfield shelter, but also around it. 
Yeah, and I think that was maybe part of the reason why there was some of the tension um, that there was in the community. But what we found from hanging out outside was a lot of the people that hang out outside aren't even people that are staying at the shelter. <laughs> they're, they're people that go there to feel safe and to feel part of a community and to interact with other people um, and all of that stuff. And, and part of that safety also is knowing that there's people there kind of keeping an eye out who are trained to respond to different medical situations, mm-hmm. including um, overdoses and things like that. So yeah, yeah, and well, it, it, I do think it's interesting that community part of it because it was it became such a central part. Uh, I met we met this one uh, younger lady who was working security at um, Smithfield, and once Smithfield closed, she was working security at uh, Second Avenue Commons, the other shelter. Um, but she would still go to the stairs at the Smithfield shelter, even after it closed. And she would just like, just, I don't want to say hanging out because it's, it, it, she would just be in the area, like talking to people and like just touching base with the, the connection she had made. So it just, just shows this, this interesting kind of, um, kind of social communal fabric that, that was being developed um, and it's, it's funny that that was being developed because Allegheny County Department of Human Services, one of the reasons they said for closing the shelters that they wanted to make uh, shelters more localized and like have, have shelter seekers be in communities that they're from. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that closure. Um, so the county decided to sort of extend it indefinitely. Um, so then why was this decision made to close the shelter and just kind of like walk us through the timeline of what happened? We had been hearing rumors that they were going to close it several weeks before they did. Um, and then on Twitter, uh, an activist by the name of Tanisha Long, she kind of like, she kind of exposed the the county's plans to close and she she sent a tweet out saying that they were planning to close um so then we immediately went to the the county's press people and that evening they then sent out a press release saying we're going to close the shelter and they cited a lack of air conditioners and just general um conditions that were unsuitable to shelter people there long term is, is I think what they said, and um, and it was it was funny that they they outlined those things because 
that day that they announced the, the shelter closure, I had just coincidentally happened to interview John Colburn, who's the, the, the church's parish administrator. And uh, John Colburn was like, yeah, we're actually installing air conditioners today and doing that right now. And and a week later or so, I, I took a tour of the, the shelter and, and I saw that the air conditioners were working. It was like fairly comfortable in there. That point was brought up to them several times and they either ignored it or they doubled down on their claim that there weren't any air conditioners there. Um, and then also the thing about the conditions of the shelter was interesting that they used that as an excuse because all of the other shelters, alternative shelters that they offered, including East End Cooperative Ministries, Light of Life, um, and Second Avenue Commons, those places, none of them offered all of the things that Smithfield offered. So none of them, mm-hmm. didn't, not all of them offered um, showers, not all of them offered an evening meal, um, not all of them offered being able to go there at most hours of the night. Um, and they all offered the same amenities for sleeping, which is cots and yoga mats. So if it wasn't air conditioning or conditions, at least not entirely, um, what other explanations have you heard for why this happened? So one one thing that we heard is, is maybe, and this goes back to the class conflict thing, um, is that uh, certain business interests and groups in the downtown area were possibly putting pressure on the county to close it down saying hey this is bad for business this is bad for tourism it's dirty etc um and we asked the allegheny county department of human services did the the these different business interests have any sort of influence on your decision and they said no we make the decisions here what did it look like, you know, on the ground in those final weeks and days as people tried to figure out where they'd go after Smithfield closed? Well, one of the things that was kind of offered up as a, a way to ease the transition from, from Smithfield was um, a, uh, a van shuttle service between Smithfield to one of the other shelters that was maybe geographically a little further out. Um, and so you just had a lot of a lot of vans pulling up and sort of calling out, like, who wants to go to this shelter? Who wants to go to that shelter? Um, Some people taking them up on that offer and quite a number of people not taking them up on that offer or, you know, wanting to stay in the downtown area because that's, like we mentioned before, like that's where their their community was. That's the social fabric that was, was created. On the last night that I was there, Aubrey and Amanda from Team PSBG were there and there was this moment um around i want to say like eight o'clock where the steps that are normally like really busy and thriving were all of a sudden empty they were swept off they were washed down and it was quiet and i looked around i was like oh my gosh they did it as i was packing up my gear to go about an hour later around um nine or ten o'clock all of a sudden this whole new wave of people were back at the steps asking Aubrey for help and to help them figure out where to go that night. And um, that kind of cycle of people has continued since. So it sounds like some people were reluctant to leave not just Smithfield, but downtown in general. 
Sure. Yeah. Downtown is, is definitely a huge hub of services and other resources for people. Um, and I think that's part of part of the popularity of Smithfield re- revolved around its location downtown. You know, people knew where to get meals there. People knew where it was a good place to fly their signs and panhandle there, or they could catch the bus to work to their job. They They knew that if they had appointments down there, with housing or with doctors or anything like you you can you can get to where you need to go downtown it's flat and so for people with disabilities um, who have a hard time getting around that access to the bus system that ability to you know be on a flat street and navigate um, even just a couple of blocks that was huge for a lot of the people that we met and so um, the removal of that and the idea that people might have to go somewhere else that wasn't as accessible or that they weren't familiar with was scary for some people. And I think that um, there was a little bit of frustration and, and panic in the air as the day uh, got a little closer um, for, for the closure. But interestingly, even though all of these shelters were opening overflow spaces and holding them specifically for Smithfielders, it didn't mean that other people weren't becoming homeless at the time. So these spaces were being held for people um, at Smithfield to be able to transition on, but it also meant that they were then blocked for other people that were coming into needing that Um, help from the continuum of care in terms of shelter because we're continuing to see a surge and uptick in numbers and people experiencing homelessness and um, that really kind of complicated the the whole the whole situation you know with smithfield closed what is the landscape like right now for people who are unhoused like does the county actually have the capacity to to house everybody so the the county I asked them that question and they said, yes, we do. Um, and supporting that, that claim is um, an interesting thing to know after the Smithfield shelter closed. All of those other alternative shelters that the county was offering up, all of those places were reporting at their overflow shelters that they were under max capacity. So that means if they had X amount of seats or uh, uh, shelter beds, they weren't filling all of them. So from that point of view, yes, they they do have beds, but I, I think and and Aubrey Plesh, uh, operator of Team PSPG, um, she she said this um, as well that the people that um, that are staying at Smithfield they they don't necessarily want to go to those other um, shelters for one reason or another, and usually it's re- related to some some degree of, of barrier that's that's at those other shelters. I mean, after the shelter closed, um, there was one night where the team was uh, um, just kind of writing down everyone's name who who came to the shelter seeking help of some sort or another. And um, I ended up signing it too. And I was like the 111th person who had been there that night. So I think I think the numbers are way higher than, than what the, the County Department of Human Services was expecting. Um, and that's that's the other element to all of this. I, I don't think we got into yet that um, that the county was saying that they would provide beds for 125 people when they first announced the shelter closure. Um, meanwhile, Aubrey Plesh was reporting within a 30-day period 600 unique visitors to the shelter, um, and the county, for their part, responded saying. 
most of those people will self-resolve in one to three days. Um, and the, the phrase self-resolve is, is sort of vague and possibly nebulous because self-resolve might mean going back to couch surfing. It might be going back to an abusive partner that you're trying to get away from. So, it, you know, they might not be strictly homeless by the county's definition, but they were surely still unstable. Is there anything you've seen the county, the city, or kind of just the wider community do that gives you hope about the direction we're moving in or that we could be moving in when it comes to providing people with shelter or finding them housing? Like, what would you like to see more of? I think there's an increased emphasis on collaboration and communication across the different sectors um, that there maybe wasn't before. And we're seeing that with some of the ways that people are building outreach teams and building approaches. Um, there's, there's a, there seems to be increased um, attention to figuring out how to move forward. But until we address the larger problems with housing, until we address the larger barriers to healthcare and mental health care, I think that um, our attention to shelter is going to be here to stay. Um, but hopefully people can, can move on to that in the future as we figure out um, new and innovative ways to deal with our housing crisis. You know, we're, we're going to be having a new, a new county executive um, fairly soon. So I, I, think, I think that people should, should see what our new county executive does. And I think they should, they should, they should keep the, their finger on the pulse on this and, and hold our elected officials accountable because regardless of your politics, like there's millions and millions of dollars being put into this and it's taxpayer money. And so regardless of what your like political beliefs are, your persuasion is, you should be interested in how the government is, is, is spending our money on, on these issues. Stephanie Strasberg and Eric Jenkwitz, our journalists with Public Source, will make sure to link to their story on Smithfield Shelter in our show notes. Uh, Stephanie and Eric, thank you both so much. Thank you, Mallory. Thank you so much for having us. A little more news before you go. The final phase in the trial for the man convicted of killing 11 Jewish worshippers at a Squirrel Hill synagogue starts today. Last week, jurors deliberated for less than two hours before determining that he is eligible for the death penalty because the government proved beyond a reasonable doubt that he had formed the intent to kill. Now they'll decide whether he should be sentenced to death or life in prison. And you may have noticed that Pittsburgh's Hollywood sign, that is the Iron City Beer sign on Mount Washington, it got a facelift. The red and white sign, which was more than 100 years old, was looking a little weathered. So Pittsburgh Brewing Company replaced it with a black and gold billboard. Now it says, I see light, cheer Pittsburgh, drink Pittsburgh. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. And Eric Jankowicz, although I'm really bad at pronouncing my own first name. <laughs>